the Jazz really look strong. And uh, we're joined now by Hans Olsen, Jake Scott. What do you guys think? I thought it was what a great performance from the Jazz. To be honest, going into this one, David, I, I thought this was going to be a brutally tough game. But who, who did you say? Hans? Yeah, hey, Hans is here. Hans? Hey, Ron, I miss you, buddy. Where you been? Uh, <laughs> just been in Weezer, man. Been busy. Buried, buried in a hole in Weezer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it was a great performance. It's gutty. And, and I'm sure, uh, Booner, you remember those road trips and and i certainly remember late night flights and having to take ambien to get to sleep and muscle relaxers to get the pain out and to be able to fly back from phoenix and grab this concentration after two losses and stop what would have been their first three game losing streak and 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 again hold court on home court it was all impressive to me well I, i'm totally agreeing with you but I'm also saying I don't feel sorry for these players because if they would have been playing back in the day, David don't like for me to say that, back in the day, when we flew commercial and they had these chartered planes. And, but it's awfully tough to win on the road, especially, you know, traveling. Two time zones, that's probably when it's the toughest, when you're, when you're going two time zones. Oh, yeah. You know what's interesting about back in the day? What's about back? <laughs> Everything, man. Everything. Has anybody watched watch film of back in the day? Everything was better back in the day. Everything, Everything was, was tougher back in the day. Right. We were all cool back in the day, too. You were we? all cool. And let me tell you what. If anybody wants to know the biggest difference between back in the day versus today, yeah. it would be in this whole concept of load and how much players move. The mileage on the defensive end that a player moves today compared to back in the day is dramatically different. Because in the old days, you guarded your man and you stayed with your guy. And now these guys are asked to be rotating, shifting, doing all that. And I think that's where the wear and tear actually is dramatically different than it was back in the day. That's just my thought. I can disagree with yeah, you Yeah, you're on welcome that, to, but, Shaq. But, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Ron actually... For all the joke of back in the day, my one of my favorite things about Ron is unlike most of the guys yeah. who have a bitterness toward what's going on, you fully embrace what's taking place and how great the game has become. Um, it's an interesting game tonight. Donovan, uh, that is the highest two-point total back-to-backs he's had in his career, 77. He was on the verge of being the first Jazz player since January of 1990. To be 1990 was the last time a Jazz player scored 40 in back-to-back -back games. Carl wow. Malone, obviously. I was going to say, I, if you asked me that question, I would have gone back as far as Adrian Dantley. Oh, you don't think you, you, you didn't think Mailman had done it? Interesting. Yeah. 40 in back-to-back -back days. He didn't do it, but 40 in back-to-back days. Well, guys, have fun. Thank you, guys. Great job tonight. Appreciate you. Four more hey, home that matter. Yes. Glad you got to say hi to me, buddy. Man, it's good to talk to you, Booner. I miss you. Where, All right. Where are you playing this weekend, Hans? Uh, are you talking about a little golf? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I actually just got off the Alpine Country Club. Uh, oh, got did a, oh, did you join? Got 18 holes in. Uh, oh, before. you're a country club kid now. Ooh. <laughs> I'm starting. Oh, so you went from Weezer, Idaho <laughs> to the country club. To the nine-hole course in Weezer, Idaho. Hey. Now you're a country you know you're not supposed to wear jeans on the course? <laughs> <laughs> and an Oscar the Grouch shirt. Yeah, I, I do know that. They, uh, they, Mr. Olson, we would love to have you be a part of our club. It'd really be super. You'd be a fabulous member. I just, if, if you didn't mind reading these bylaws. <laughs> what, if, what if I cut these jeans into shorts? <laughs> and, the, and the tank top? I, I went up there to uh, Ron's tournament one time at Promontory. I realized, man, this is... This is nice. This huh? is nice. <laughs> this is something different. So. Um, one of my favorite families is an Alpine Country Club family. So it's a good place, man. Yeah. It's a great course. It was yeah. beautiful. If you ever, today. Meet, if, you ever if, a, if a family named the Longs and their two nice daughters ever ask you to play, and it's and they, any money is involved, don't decline. <laughs> <laughs> she's the, she's but they're just two little girls, you know. Oh, look at this. Ah, uh, you yeah. tell me I can spend 18 holes with this beautiful young woman. Yeah, sure. That'll be fun. No, you'll lose lots of money. She's the best junior in the state. <laughs> and her younger sister's probably the second best junior in the state. I will avoid. Okay. See ya. Take care, guys. Bye, guys. 122 to 103 is your final. We're breaking it down next here on the Jazz Radio Network.
Game night post game show here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jake Scott, Hans Olsen filling in tonight for Coach Tim Lacombe. 122 to 103 is your final. The Jazz get another win at home. Hans, do you realize that the Jazz have not lost at home in 2021? I love it. I love it. 23 straight, going all the way back to that Phoenix game on December 31st. That was the last, I believe that's the last that time mm-hmm, that the Utah Jazz lost in this arena. I love teams that hold home field, hold home court, that understand the significance of it, that fight for their fans. Okay, so I got to ask the question, Jake. Do you, I was out there um, through uh, two quarters yeah, and watching the fans and kind of feeling the energy. There's good energy, good fans. What are we, 5,500 in this arena yep, now? Mm-hmm. Do the fans make that difference? Oh, I think they make a difference. Because that's a 23-game home streak, and I'm sure it plays a lot into the teams that were part of that 23, but this game was set up for a Jazz loss. It was. They, this was one of those kind of scheduled losses, and they really fought through it, and we'll talk all about it. Uh, it's interesting you bring that up because it isn't the full, you know, 18,000 and change. I know it's no longer 19-9-11, so it is different. But it, if you haven't been to a Jazz game yet this year, even though they have the limited attendance, there's still a vibe. Does that make sense? Like, it's not overwhelming like it usually is. No. But there's still a vibe to the arena. There's, there's a still, solid energy. There's an energy to it. And I, I do think that that makes a difference. And and on the other hand, you know, I, I guess I don't feel bad for franchises, but, but I feel bad for franchises in other states that don't have any because I think that would be weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, to at least have a vibe in this arena, I think, is a positive for the team. To not have anything and just basically be playing in an empty gym, I think, would, would have a negative effect. Golden State announced 35% attendance coming up. They're going to open up that arena at 35%. And you saw Phoenix right before that game. They allowed 5,500 into their arena. That was an upgrade of like 2,200 or something. I think the New York teams are going to start letting some fans in. I mean, it's it's... It's on its way, but uh, I could not help but think uh, through the first half, and I I, I was in, in here in the studio with you through the second half. I could not help but think in the first half as I sat out there for the opening portions and the announcements and introductions, and I couldn't help but think, man, if this had if this was a playoff environment with this jazz team that's so entertaining. Look at the explosion in the third quarter. I couldn't help but think how much fun this arena would be with just jam-packed. And it's going to be a difficult place for teams to come in and win. It will be murderer's row for for teams to try to come in and get this win. Donovan Mitchell led the way tonight, Hans. 37 points for Donovan on 14 of 25 shooting. Rudy uh, Gobert had a monster game, 18 and 21. 21 boards tonight for Rudy, two block shots. Uh, as well. Um, Can I ask you something? Yeah. So, Jake, this is a make or miss league. So the Jazz were 12 of 42 from three in this game, but they still get a blowout victory. Tell me how that happens. (laughs) You've been listening to the big show, uh, Hans. Uh, Well, first of all, the defense was really, really good for the Utah Jazz tonight, so that's where I would start. But they got a lot going to the basket. They got a lot off the bench, and they took advantage. Uh, How about this? Let me me put it uh, long story short. When uh, Ennis Cantor was in the game, they went at him and had a lot of success. How about that? Okay. There's a lot of ways to win basketball games. This Jazz team relies on threes. We've seen them lose by the three, so to speak, over the past couple of games. But tonight... You know, they were able to overcome by playing hard and playing in transition. Can I make one submission on that, too? Yes. 58 rebounds to Portland's 41. Oh, yeah. They were much better on the 17 rebound advantage for the Utah Jazz. 17, man. And they had 14 offensive rebounds to Portland's nine. Last night, and I, and I know that you hit on this, 16 offensive rebounds for Phoenix and and. It was noticeable that their effort and energy was getting to those offensive boards. And I think that the Jazz took that personal. Well, you know what the, What happened, Hans, is their guards blocked out. Uh, you and I sitting here watching it. We pointed yeah. out to each other a couple of times where Donovan Mitchell had some really solid blockouts, stuff that wasn't happening in Phoenix. You know, guards blocking out, it's kind of, I'm going to take advantage of you being here and do a football analogy. Maybe a few before the show's over. Right. You never know. It's like receivers blocking 
none of them want to do it. Mm -hmm. But when they do do it, it makes a huge impact on the game mm -hmm. for others, which is part of the reason they don't want to do it because yeah. it's not really their, you know, get their glory. But you have to be tough and you have to go down there and grind out some blockouts and make way for others to come in and get rebounds. And the guards really did that tonight. I don't understand how a man the size of Rudy Gobert only gets 21 rebounds tonight. <laughs> not dirty? Come on. You're so tall. How do you not get up and get some of those boards? 21, man. It, how about the work, the, the production and the effort of Rudy Gobert? 18 points, 21 rebounds He's tonight. great. He's, he's their most consistently great player. He really is. You know, he and Donovan are the leaders, and they play different roles on the team. But as far as night in, night out, really having big-time impactful games, Rudy's your guy. He is. Uh, a beautiful follow-up dunk. Well, maybe it was the first points or second points of the game. But Donovan Mitchell at the rim, uh, I think he kind of got pushed past it. Maybe it was a kind of a block shot off the rim. Rudy Gobert, quick grab and put back to kind of ignite the play style. It, it really wasn't the Utah Jazz first half. This was just a Utah Jazz third quarter. Yep. All right, with that, we will say goodnight to our network stations as the Jazz win 122-103. to Our next broadcast is coming your way on Saturday night. The Sacramento Kings will be in town. Tip-off will be at 7 o'clock. Uh, for those of you sticking around with us, we'll have some post-game sound for you, and Hans and I will continue to break this one down. Again, your final 122-103. Jazz beat the Blazers right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night post-game show here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jake Scott Hansolson filling in for Coach Lacombe tonight as the Utah Jazz beat the Portland Trail Blazers here at Vivint Arena 122-103. to Let's get a look at your sharp stats of the game brought to you by the Les Olsen Company. Les Olsen Company, your office technology partner. Jazz tonight shot 45.3% from the field. 12 of 42 from three, 28.6%. They were led by Donovan Mitchell, who had 37 points on 14 of 25 shooting. Donovan, a perfect 8 of 8 at the line tonight. Five rebounds, four assists. Rudy with 18 points, 21 rebounds, two block shots. Bogdanovich and Conley both had 11 apiece. Uh, Joe Ingles had 13 coming in off the bench. George Niang with 10 coming in off the bench. George was a plus 20 tonight and actually spent some good minutes defending Carmelo Anthony. Uh, for the Blazers, Damian Lillard, 23 points. C.J. McCollum, 19. Both those guys shot 8 of 21 from the field. Uh, overall, Hans, I mean, you look at Portland, they shot 39.6% from the field, 27.1% from three. The Jazz the Jazz D certainly limited what the Blazers were able to do offensively. Well, we talked about Royce O'Neal in the first half uh, being a, a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit stuck in the mud at times, and it felt like Royce O'Neal really engaged and got things going in the second half. He, he's struggling to find any type of offensive rhythm. And, and uh, Jake, I don't know what you would suggest, and I wish I would have had a little bit more time with Booner. I'd asked him what you can do for Royce O'Neal. I'm not asking Royce to be a 12-point-a-night guy, but there was a time in the first half of the season where Royce would give you two three-pointers in a night, two of five, or three of six or seven, or even two of four or five. It, there, there, was a, there was a time where you could trust that Royce was going to knock it down to force people back out to the outside to respect his shot. And I, I'm hoping that they can kind of get that going for Royce again. I think he'll get back there. You could tell that the whole team was hoping for Royce to get uh, a three. Donovan found Royce a couple of times, maybe with a little bit of an extra pass to try and get him going. He, he plays a critical role on this team. I mean, he's their best on-the-ball defender. You saw him do a great job against Damian Lillard. And when he's able to be a 40% three-point shooter like he was earlier in the season, it makes huge a huge difference because you, you have to guard him. And so he'll get back to that. I mean, I, I I worry about his confidence a little bit, but honestly, basketball is a game of, uh, as speaking of Booner, Booner puts it, you eventually become the back of your basketball card. Yep. I mean, you know, Royce is 0 for, I think, his last 13. We'd have to double-check that, but... I mean, the guy has been in the league doing this now for a little while, and he'll get back to it. He needs to because they need him on the floor to play defense, and they can't leave him on the floor to play defense unless he's at least a threat from three. Uh, Joe Ingles was a bit more of a threat from three. He was 0 of 4 from three in the first half, but in the second half he went 2 of 4 
He hit your number, though, on attempts. He did hit the number. I, I, I wanted at least seven, and he got to eight. And he also had 35 minutes on the court. There were a couple things that I expected from Joe tonight. More minutes. He had 27 minutes in that overtime game against Phoenix. I wanted to see more minutes. And he's a 50% three-point shooter. I wanted to see more attempts tonight. And he did give that to me. Eight's a good number for Joe. Eight is right there. Yep, it's a good number for Joe for sure. And he played uh, he played well. And you were right, he played more made up for Jordan Clarkson, who they certainly uh, missed tonight. There's no doubt about it. Uh, by the way, he was able to give out six assists. And you saw some of the movement. You always talk about Joe, his passing, his vision. I, I, some of my favorite Joe Ingles passes are those wraparound passes in the paint or in the lane when you're working either on a pick and roll or he's working towards progress towards the rim. The pocket pass, man. It's he's the, awesome. It's just and he and he does this bounce pass. It's like perfection. It bounces right to the height of the offensive player that's streaking the rim. You know, if it's if it's Boyan, it's just a little higher. If it's if it's Conley, it's a little bit lower. He just has a knack for that pass that makes it really nice to transition to the rim. Picked up a technical foul tonight, too. He got a little hot. So did Bogdanovich. Right so did Damian half, right? Lillard. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he got a little bit hot. There was a few techs out there. Well, th- th- there was a um, – I think the tech came was – it was when Oni was called for a foul on Carmelo Anthony off that three, wasn't it? And then they reviewed it. Oh, was that where the technical foul was? I, I, th- I thought that that was Joe arguing that – Tech, or was arguing that call and got a little bit too animated with I it. I thought it was, well, I don't know. It, but he it, got a tech it, in the first half. It, anyway. it, it might have been. But th- those, the, the officials still love to give uh, Carmelo the benefit of doubt and, and blow the whistle. It's just not, it's not like it used to be. No. Uh, let's uh, let's get some post-game sound going, Hans. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Tony Jones, The Athletic. <laughs> coach, um... Two-part question, Donovan. It's it uh, seemed like he 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 uh, kind of decided to take this one over early. You know, what were you seeing out of his performance, and and uh, how happy were you with the way you guys defended, especially in the second half? Well, that, that's really how we took the game over. Um, you know, Donovan obviously attacking the rim and making plays. My literally my favorite play that Donovan made tonight. And I think a, a really significant play that he actually, I think if you ask him, was aware of and, and, and happy with is when he, he drove the gap and just made a quick little kick to Joe Ingles who banged a three. Um, so our ability to move the ball, uh, regardless of who's attacking, you know, Donovan, obviously, as you said, Tony, and, and he did tonight, you know, especially um, when he was able to get on the rim too, because it just opened a lot of things up. But our defense w- w- was the biggest thing, and our defensive rebounding in the third quarter, I thought, really broke the game open. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Yeah, Quinn. What? Uh, obviously, we talk about third quarters a lot, and tonight was a particularly dominant one, forty to nineteen. It seemed like there was a big energy change. It seemed like the blender got working a little bit, less isolation, more passing. Was that kind of a focus during halftime? You know, that, that's a consistent focus for us. Um, you know, learning um, how to attack collectively when teams are, are switching, um, learning how to attack, you know, when teams are really dropping their bigs, just handling all those different situations and, you know, still staying connected offensively. And then, you know, there's there's situations where guys have to create shots, and you know, again, Donovan was able to do that tonight. I thought Joe did that driving to the rim, um, you know, at the end of the clock. But a lot of that stems from our defense. When you're taking the ball to the net and playing against the set defense, it's it's harder. And I think the more that our whole group thinks about the defensive end, um, the offense will happen, and that's been consistent with our team the whole year. When we throw ourselves into the defensive end. You know, the offense, you're more connected. You know, everything becomes easier. Last question, David James, KUTV. Quinn, you were plus 17 on the backboards tonight. Is that one thing that just kind of happened over the course of the game, or was that addressed specifically after the Phoenix game? 
Well, it's, it's just something that we've talked about all year and it's something that we've got to continue to commit to. And it has to be a commitment on a high, high level. Um, you know, if we rebound the way we did tonight, last night, we might have a different result. Um, we didn't shoot the ball well tonight, just like the other night. Um, but we got on the glass and, um, we've got to come up with them and whatever the level of effort it is, whatever, however physical it is, you know, that's gotta be something that as a team that we make, you know, if not the biggest priority on the defensive end, you know, right up there with transition defense and, you know, force people to play against the half court, you know, half court defense. That's all. Thank you, coach. There you go. Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. I thought he made a real important, uh, interesting point there. Hans, uh, something you talked about uh, you know, already in the post game, talked about the rebounding where he said they just, uh, you need to remember, he didn't put it exactly this way, but remember their commitment to it. And I think he kind of implied, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but implied that maybe that focus and commitment on it wasn't there last night against Phoenix, and maybe they were reminded about how that's really important tonight. Because it certainly seemed that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, the way they really went out there and blocked out and made it a point to get those rebounds and clear the boards, even when Rudy got pulled off with the play, they were out there, you know, doing their job. They may have needed a little reminder to refocus on the boards. There are certain hustle aspects of sports that in any type of film review, and I'm not saying that this group, you know, all 15 got into a room and they're watching this and and the point is up there. But, you know, if these coaches go back and they're watching Phoenix, they could probably circle 25, 30 examples of a guy not positioning. Right. And not taking it serious, you know, it's it's like watching a defense on on a football field swarm to the ball. Like you can circle three guys and say, "Why are you not running to the ball? What if that ball popped out? Well, why are you just standing there? How come you're not hustling?" And rebounding, both offensive and defensive. If you if you're going to focus on the offensive 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 side of rebounding and not try to transition, it's a hustle thing. It's an effort and a want to thing. So if the coaching staff pulls everybody in the room and says, you know, why are you guys getting your butt kicks off the board? That's that's embarrassing. Let's focus on these two things in this game. And I think they did that. Yeah, I think you're right. 58 to 41, by the way, the Jazz out-rebounded the Blazers tonight. So it was a big deal. They, they crunched them on the boards. All right, we want to remind you about our friends at Mark Miller, Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer and the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. We'll get you more uh, post-game sound coming up next right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz Game Night post-game show here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jake Scott, Hans Olsen. Jazz beat the Blazers tonight, 122-103 to 103 postgame. Brought to you by our friends at Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. Let's get to your points in the paint tonight. Brought to you by Serta Pro Painters. Call 1-800-GO-SERTA or visit certapro.com. That's Serta with a C. We do painting. You do live tonight. Hans, points in the paint, which is your type of stat, I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jazz outscored the Blazers, but not by much, 50-48. to 48. Which surprised me a little bit because uh, the Jazz, specifically Donovan, got a lot going to the basket tonight, and and Rudy had a pretty good night. But I'll tell you what, following these points in the paint anymore uh, in in modern basketball hands, on nights where I think the Jazz have dominated, you look up and they were outscored by 18. And yeah. then the nights I think, oh, they got creamed in the paint, you look it up, and they outscored them by 15. So I'm still trying to figure out the correlation between my eyeball and the guests on that stat. But the Jazz outscored them tonight, 50 to 48 and Yusuf Nurkic was on a, a minutes restriction and that's unfortunate for them because he makes them a completely different team but uh, you know they did a good job limiting Ennis Cantor Ennis is usually tough on the offensive boards and uh, Portland had to go little for stretches in the game because they just didn't have uh, an answer without Nurkic on the floor and by little I mean literally because the guy's name is little uh-huh that's uh, they, that was an interesting uh, crew that they went with on the court in those stretches. Um, it's crazy. I'm just looking down the list on this, Jake. The Jazz had a, the, the Jazz had a 25 point lead in this game. The, the Jazz on a back end of a back to back, a really tough three game streak here between Dallas, Phoenix, and then finishing it up here now with Portland, and they have a 25 point lead in a game that they really had no business winning. 
it, that's a tough game to come back from Phoenix and all the emotions from an overtime loss and and you put things together and have a 40 to 19 point third quarter and have a 25 point lead in this game. I'm really surprised. I, I thought the Jazz were really going to have an uphill battle on their hands and they come out um, in the third quarter and outscored the Blazers 40 to 19. And really, the game was over after that. I mean, we were talking about a Jazz team that was down three at the half. And for the game to be over by the time the third quarter ends, I mean, it's pretty remarkable. That's that's an incredible quarter. It was really nice to see the Jazz get out and really cloud the three-point line. They they really, you know, it felt like every time Carmelo or McCollum or Lillard, it, it felt like for the most part the Jazz were getting out to the hustle on the perimeter and contesting and trying to really frustrate the shot of Portland. You mentioned the 48 points in the paint for Portland. You know, we look at that 103 mark for Portland. We know what type of offensive Ferrari this team is. What do they average a night? What What are they typically? One, there, I'll give you their 117, 118. I'll give you their offensive rating, which is how many points they score per 100 possessions. Uh, their offensive rating is 116.9. So if you did it by game, it's probably a little bit below that, but you get the point. But right there in that range. Yeah. And you're able to slow them down and do it defensively as well as offensively in that third quarter, again, holding them under 20 points, just to 19, and keeping them at 103 points. I'm impressed. It's it, it, it really comes back to that hustle. Like every once in a while, you're like, man, is this Jazz team, do they, do they got it? And then they show up against Portland. Or do they got it? And then it's a really tough road trip with a, a near-death plane accident. And they go back to Memphis and they get a win. And it's every once in a while they just they catch off guard. And, and now things kind of slow down a little bit for the Utah Jazz, Jake. Um, they have a little bit of lull in the action these three games were were fantastic. Dallas, Phoenix, and Portland. Now you go Sacramento, got a revenge game against Washington, Oklahoma City, Indiana will be a nice warm up and get you ready for those two Los Angeles games. I'm not expecting Los Angeles to have either one of their stars back. No, no, those games won't be uh, what maybe we originally thought. And the Jazz have the second easiest schedule in the league. For the remainder of the year. So that that certainly helps. Donovan Mitchell tonight was great again. 37 points, 14 of 25, shooting five rebounds and four assists. Let's uh, get some postgame sound. Let's go back down to the media room. Donovan Mitchell is addressing the media. All right. First question will be from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Threes weren't going again tonight, but it seemed like, especially in the second half, you guys had a ton of success uh, kind of moving the ball and getting to the rim. Was that kind of a, a conscious focus of yours going forward? Yeah, you know, we took a lot of things from the uh, the Phoenix game. You know, it was kind of fortunate that it happened last night because it was so fresh on the mind, you know, coming into today's game, whether it's certain situations where it's dribble handoffs or smoothing the ball side to side, getting out even more in transition. Um, I think that was really what, you know, you know, it's a difference on the offensive end tonight. And uh, we did a good job of that. But we did some of the same things we did against Phoenix, you know, some shots just happen to go in, you know, easy ones, stuff like that. But um, I think for us, just making a conscious effort of getting out and running, you know, and just kind of pushing the pace, um, I think was was good by us. Tony Jones, The Athletic. You know, how big of – was this a big one for you guys? And, um, you know, and how, how important was it for you guys to bounce back from from Monday and Wednesday night? Um, I think it was a it was a must win. You know, it was, it, we it was, we wanted to be the team like we we don't lose. First off, you don't lose two in a row, and then you don't lose three. You definitely don't lose three. You know, that's kind of the mindset. You know, so this was a must win. You know, we kind of put you know our focus on that, and you know, not letting three three go to teams that are you know playoff bound. And you know, it's definitely on the forefront of our brain. And you know, we just got to be ready for it. You know, we got this win tonight. We got. Um, sack coming in on whatever day it is um but we just got to be ready at all, every game every game you know we just started with this and this is a good start um but we got things we can definitely work on and improve on from the road trip that we have to uh, 
address nothing too crazy. You know, we did a lot of good things tonight, you know, but we got to continue just to plug away. Um, if you want to be the team, the last team standing, you know, we got a lot of, a lot of things we got to continue to harp on and continue to focus on. And tonight was a good, good start after two tough losses. And um, we keep going from here. Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Savers is top 10 in the Jazz all-time scoring list after tonight. Oh. Uh, yeah. He's, yeah, uh, he passed um, the money man memo. So, you know, just want to talk about just how he's so underrated, what he does for you guys. And just can you put into perspective the impact that he has on this group? Um, you know, it says a lot that we let him go for a year and come back. Like, you know, immediately brought him back. You know, that says a lot about a person in general. Forget the basketball uh, component of it. Um I think that that says a lot, just the fact that we wanted him to bring him back and everybody missed him. And, you know, that's, that's first and foremost, just him as a person, you know, as a player, man, he comes in, does his job. He's a pro's pro. Um, he's humble, um, hardworking. You know, if you didn't say that, he probably wouldn't have said a word about him breaking the top 10 list. Um, he just goes out there and does his job every day, you know, and he does it the right way. You know, we, we love Favo, uh, respect the hell out of Favo for what he does, you know, like you said, he's underrated in that sense. He doesn't get a lot of credit, but he brings the physicality. He brings pressure. He brings effort. He brings all these different things that, you know, kind of elevate us, you know, when he comes in the game. And, you know, his presence is definitely felt out there, felt out there each time. Um, each time he's out there. And, you know, this is a huge, huge honor for him. And I'm happy for him. And, you know, I'm going to go throw some water on him uh, in the locker room. Uh, so hopefully he, does, hopefully he doesn't have his, uh, his what's it called, his walk-in closing. But if he does, then it's on him. But um, I think that that's just who he is, man. He's a great teammate, great person. And, you know, we're happy to have him here. Next up, Mark Medina, USA Today. Hi, Donovan. Good to see you. I, I got a random one here. I'm asking guys on different teams about their favorite fan stories. Do you have a favorite one, whether it was like an interaction or favorite in a specific game? Like a favorite, favorite what? story or memory? It's like for a favorite fan. Favorite oh, um... Man. Um, I guess the first one that jumps out is, you know, I had some fan going talking crazy in uh, Detroit like three years ago, two years ago. Um, that's the first one that jumps in my mind. You know, the more fans talk junk and all that, I, I think those are my favorites uh, for me than the, the cheering, to be honest. I love when people, you know, say you suck or can't do this, can't do that you know, during the game, I think it just provides a level of excitement for me. Um, but the one that is fresh on the brain is definitely the one in Detroit. Um, was it two years ago, maybe? Uh, and I had a pretty, pretty good second half because of that person. You know, I had a really, I had a terrible first half and then he said something. Um, and, you know, I let him know it after, you know, the fourth quarter, but um, that's probably the one that stands out for me. Are you able to share what he said and what the exchange was after going? Man, I I really don't remember, uh, to be honest with you. Um, to be honest with you, he might have just said something innocently, and I just took it as personal, um, to be honest. But, you know, I just remember him saying something. He could have just been cheering his team on, but he was just in my face about it as I walked to the locker room. And it's all I really needed. You know, I enjoy that stuff. And, you know, he was going throughout the fourth quarter, and it wasn't like – anything personal, anything bad, but it was just like something just like fun going back and forth and, you know, along the lines of like, you know, we're better than you or something like that, or we should have, we, we didn't want to draft you, whatever the hell it was, but it was just, it was fun. Um, and shout out to that fan, whatever his name was. Next up, John Kuhn, AP. Donovan, one of the, positive things that you talked about that happened in this game was uh, the rebounding. Um, you guys had a plus 17 advantage on the on the boards tonight. Um, third quarter especially, you were able to, to attack the glass and, and really get rebounds. Uh, was that more of a focus tonight after kind of struggling on the glass against Phoenix? Yeah, and I think, like I said, I think it was I mean, it's unfortunate that we lost, but you learn things in a loss. And I think with that having played yesterday, that was on the forefront of our brains. It was so fresh in our head, and we made a conscious effort to go out there and, and do that. You know, I think that was, you know, it's it's not so much grabbing the rebound. It's the work you do before it. You know, it's not so much as going up there and, and grabbing it. It's the, the hits. And if you watch the game back, you know, guys running from one spot 
to the next to hit somebody to get to prevent them from getting on the glass. You know, whether it's Cantor, it's Nurkic, it's Powell, it's Jones, just trying to find ways to knock them off their course. Because after a while, after you get hit, you stop going. You know, and then you stop trying to go for rebounds. And <clears throat> that was really the focus for us. You know, and with it happening so fresh last night, uh, it was right there, in the, right there in the front of our brains, and we did a good job of it. But now we've got to continue to do it throughout the entire game. We got to do it when things aren't going well, we got to do it when things are going great, you know, and I think that's the challenge for us coming forward. All right. That's it. Thank you, Donovan. Donovan Mitchell, uh, incredible night tonight. Uh, once again for Donovan, 37 points. Um, he was asked that random, uh, that random question about the fan interaction. I, I absolutely remember that Troy Detroit game and Donovan said, you know, we kind of told him about it in the fourth quarter. No, he hit the game winning shot, or at least what became the game winning shot. He pointed at the guy and he said, this is your fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was so classic. So hilarious. Oh man. And, so and, uh, it's, uh, when Donovan was asked a question, I thought immediately of that situation. I thought, well, I wonder if he'll talk about that. And sure enough, he went right to it. Uh, that throws me back to the overwhelming, surprising rise of Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, I at times now I take it for granted a little bit. Like, oh, that's 37 points coming from a superstar that has an incredible smile, that is charismatic, that is he's he came in and unified this community. And sometimes I, I take that for granted a little bit. I'm I'm looking past it, like, okay, there's Donovan's 37, but what was the real point to this game? And you can't look past that. 37 points from Donovan. That was the point of this game. He's he's the one that really kept them afloat in the first half. Hey, Portland looked at times in the first half like they're just going to win this game. And Donovan was nasty and resilient. He had 11 points, what, in the first, like, 10 minutes, 8 yeah. minutes? Mm -hmm. So it, it is a, a nice reminder of what Donovan Mitchell means to this team and this community. He took uh, seven of the Jazz' first nine shots, and he made five of them. Yeah. So he came out, and he was going to make sure they got off to a good start. Yeah, and good for him. And that's the that's the playoff Donovan Mitchell I want to see. Yep. All right, uh, let's get more sound. Let's keep this train rolling. Let's. Uh, you heard uh, a question about Derek Favors moves into tenth place on the Jazz all-time leading scorer list. Let's go ahead and hear from him. All right, we'll start with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Faves. So. Uh, Quite simply, what was the difference in the rebounding between last night and tonight? Um, <clears throat> I think the whole team kind of put an emphasis on, you know, helping the bigs on the rebound when we go in, me and Rudy going contested shots. And I think they made an emphasis on coming in, um, coming in the paint, just help, helping us get rebounds, you know, and I think that was the big difference tonight versus, you know, last night against Phoenix where we gave up, I don't know how many offensive rebounds, but, no, tonight, um, that was a big emphasis for us. Appreciate it. Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Okay, Fave, I got I got two for you. First of all, congrats on entering the top 10 in the Jazz all-time scoring. Donovan said you're not going to really talk about yourself much because you're such a humble guy, but what is it about this Jazz team that allows you to thrive in your role? Um... I think in the past, um, you know, I got to give half of it to Joe Ingles. <laughs> You know he uh, he assists me on a lot of my on, on a lot of my scoring, but um, you know overall with this team, you know just the ball movement, you know everybody get a chance to make plays, be able to score, um, be able to take their shots, and um, you know overall it's been a, it's been a blessing for me to be on be with one team, one organization, and um, to reach an accomplishment like that, you know that's a blessing for me. When your teammate says that you have hands like Julio Jones. What do you think about that? <laughs> I try to tell them, man. I tell all the guards, whether it's Joe, Mike, Donovan, JC, I tell them, man, you throw it anywhere near me, I'm going to catch it because I don't want to give them that turnover. So even if I don't score the ball, you know, I'm going to try to catch I'm going to try to, you know, keep it in play. And if um if I can't catch it, nobody in the NBA can catch that, catch that pass. So, you know, I joke with the guys a lot, tell them that I got the best hands in the NBA. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, I'm just kind of thinking about your years with this team. And, and you know, it's funny, you had the chance to play against Ennis tonight and you spent those years kind of playing with him. But, I mean, kind of looking back on that part of your career, I mean, 
your role is different than it is now. Um, I, how do you kind of kind of put it all in perspective, uh, getting into that top ten and, and what it means? Um, I think throughout the years I've been able to adjust pretty well. Um, you know, whether they needed me to begin of my career, they needed me to come in and you know be a defender and rebounder. Then when Quinn got here, you know, my role kind of changed into being like you know a pick and roll scorer in the low post. And, um, you know, with the NBA changing now, I'm back to being like a defender, rebounder, screen setter. So I think for the most part, I've done a good job of just adjusting my game and um, just being a positive on the court. And um, like I said before, it's a, it's a blessing, you know, to be with one organization and to be, you know, top 10 in scoring. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. It's something that I didn't, I didn't even think about, you know, coming into the NBA or even this year or, whatever I, I didn't think about it but when it was brought to my attention you know I took that moment and kind of took it in like like damn like <laughs> like man I'm top 10 in scoring with one organization so that's a big accomplishment for me can you think of a particular point and you know, the thousands of points that you've gotten that were your favorite or the most memorable um throughout my career here um it's, it's a lot of them it's so many of them it's, it's a lot um I think probably one of my favorite moments was um, the playoffs a couple of years ago against OKC. Um, I mean, that whole series, you know, that was a, I think that was a big, big point in my career, you know, especially um, game six when I hit that shot to kind of win the game four. So I think that was probably the biggest, biggest moment in my career. Last question, Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. And Derek, along those lines, do you feel ownership of the team because you are the longest tenured player here? Yeah, I think I got everybody's respect pretty much. I wouldn't say like ownership of the team, but I think I have um, a lot of guys respect on the team, just the way that I carry myself, the way I come to work and how I, how I work during practice, during all season, how I um, play during the games, how I never complain about much. I just accept the role and, and play it to the best of my abilities. And I'm always encouraging other guys and, you know, just talking to other guys, whether it's Rudy or, or Donovan or whoever, JC, Joe, I think um, I got a lot of those guys respect and uh, they respect my voice in the locker room. And, um, you know, I think, I think it works out for everybody. Do you see guys like Udonis Haslam that, that have done that and made a long career of that? Do you see yourself doing that and kind of playing for a long time? We'll see. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. We'll see um, if it's with one organization, if it's with Utah, you know, there'll be a blessing. If it's with another team, you know, you, you just never know the future, you know, um, Right now, I'm just trying to help this team win, um, continue to be that presence in the locker room and on the court for everybody, and um, just playing my part. Thank you, Derek. Derek Favors, top 10 all-time on the Jazz franchise scoring list. I'll tell you what, man. You listen to Derek Favors' post-game interviews, and that is an easy dude to cheer for. Mm -hmm. I mean, down-to-earth, humble, um, appreciative, and uh, it, it just, you know, Donovan said it. Uh, I think it says a lot about the franchise and Derek that uh, the first opportunity he had to come back, the franchise brought him back as soon as they could, and he came right back. He feels at home here. He's, he's said that a number of times. And you can tell it matters a lot to him. I mean, listen to that last part of what he was saying right there, to be a, be a top 10 scorer for an NBA franchise. You can tell that's something that, uh, that means a lot. And he's just doing what the Jazz need him to do. He's averaging about 14 minutes. He's he's getting up maybe three, four shots a game. They're asking him to do a lot of things defensively. If you've got a big that's causing problems, they want him to harass him a bit. You know, he is a bit of a regulator. I think if you were to ask me who the regulator is on this team, you could probably put Derek out there. He's a nice intimidator, a big body. Uh, Derek Favors. He was part of the Darren Williams movement, correct? Favors, yes. Was he was Darren was traded for Derek Favors, uh, Devin Harris, and two draft picks, S something like that. But yeah. but came in the Darren Williams he move. Did. Mm -hmm. So it, he's he's always been great. And uh, I was just sharing with you. I've I've had a chance to interact with him a couple of times away from work, and he's just that kind of person that you would think he is. Yep. And I'm really glad that he's back here. I'm glad that he feels the way he does about Utah. And I hope that he always feels that way. Yep. 
All right. I uh, want to remind you about our friends at Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer and the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. 122 to 103 is your final Jazz Beat the Blazers. We'll get you more sound uh, from the locker room coming up next here on the Jazz Radio Network. show on the Jazz Radio Network. Jake Scott, Hans Olsen in for Tim Lacombe tonight. Appreciate you working late tonight, Hans. You're a good man. I love it. I absolutely love it. Love what we get to do, Jake. Postgame brought to you by our friends Mark Miller, Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. Your final, the Jazz smash the Blazers 122-103. to We'll get you more sound from the locker room coming up here momentarily. But let's get a look at your master of the glass brought to you by Safe Light Auto Glass, the local vehicle glass expert. Uh, they're here for another great year of basketball and proud to be the preferred auto glass partner of the Utah Jazz. Safe Light Auto Glass is also proud to present this year's master of the glass rebound program. At the end of the regular season, Safe Light will donate $5 uh, to the United Way of Utah for each rebound secured by this year's team rebound leader. No surprise. Rudy Gobert is your master of the glass tonight. 21 rebounds for Rudy, 15 on the defensive side, six offensive boards to go along with his 18 points. By the way, a quick quiz for you. Do you know how many times Rudy has not outright been the master of the glass this year? How many times? Twice. And then he's tied for it twice. Oh, he's tied for it. Every other game, he's been the master of the glass. I think tonight it's a bit of a reach. 21? Yeah, I think it's a bit of a reach, but... I guess I guess you could give it to him. Uh, Royce O'Neal had nine rebounds tonight, and it's been a little bit of a, of a theme, but the Jazz rebounded much, much better. Yeah. Uh, they out-rebounded Portland 58-41, uh, uh, and it was it was a big difference. In a, in a game you know, where the Jazz aren't making their threes, you're talking about difference maker stuff and being good on the, on the glasses. That and, and hence, you know, uh, the transition has been such an important element for this Jazz basketball team, and it's tough to be really good in transition when you're not rebounding the ball. That is absolutely the truth. How it was really tough watching Phoenix that transition after a rebound, firing it out to Booker, and Booker just sprinting the court and those quick buckets. Um, so I know it's a make or miss league. <laughs> I know it's a make or miss. I hate league. you. You know that bugs me. It's like you're going to use it. But is it when you're better at rebounding just to make or miss league? Well, it means the other team missed it. So <laughs> they're. <laughs> you know what it is, though? The offensive rebounding. It, 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 here, another football analogy for you. It's it's a lot like when you got a team on third, you know, they make a third down conversion. Uh-huh. Those offensive rebounds are just killer. And when you saw Phoenix last night get two or three on a possession, that just takes the life right out of yeah, you. you know, you up. Yeah, it totally beats you up. And if you can do it to the other team, like Jazz had 14 offensive rebounds tonight, it's a it's a big deal. But they didn't have the triple and quadruple offensive rebounds in a possession. Not as Phoenix much did. as Phoenix did. But, I mean, that, that, that rebound where Rudy got it over little without falling yeah. and then went right to the hoop to get an and one. Yep. I mean, those are, those are killer plays. Those are plays that take the life out of your opponent. Was that uh, the end of the second or the beginning of the third? That was, was in the third. It was in a cr- kind of a critical yeah, moment when, they were when the Jazz away. were streaking. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was a big play in the game. Speaking of Rudy and his 21 rebounds, uh, let's give a listen to what he had to say in the post game. All right, David James, KUTV. Rudy, you're the guy who most likely to come out and talk defense with us, and I'm curious what you thought of being uh, uh, so dominant on the backboards as a team in this game and also that 19-point third quarter that you allowed Portland, held them to. I really love the way we... I wouldn't say came out because I think they scored 30 points in the first quarter. But uh, it's almost like we got better throughout the game. You know, our communication got better, our aggressiveness got better. And the most important thing, we we didn't give them uh, any offensive rebound or maybe a few. But for the most part of the game, you know, everyone was, you know, very active. And uh, and the guards did a great job helping us, you know, on a, on a defensive board. John Kuhn, AP. 
Rudy, how, how much of the success on, on the boards was driven by, I, I guess, a lack of success on rebounding against Phoenix? I mean, did, did that kind of drive you guys to make that more of a focus coming in against Portland? We do. You know, I mean, uh, every night I think we we kind of put emphasis on it. You know, we know how important it is, but as much as we know, you know, sometimes we know that we have to do just a little extra effort. And uh, whether it's hitting somebody or just going to get the ball or the loose ball, we know that uh, when we really, you know, put the effort uh, and, and also the communication behind it, um, it's a different, you know, different mindset. And I think if we rebound the way we rebounded tonight, we, we win the game against Phoenix, even showing the way we shot, you know, so it's, uh, it says a lot about the way we play in defense. And, uh, you know, it's really uh, something that, uh, you know, is very important for us to know. And going forward, you know, we, we want to keep rebounding every single night. Next up, Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Rudy, 23 straight wins on this floor. First of all, that's incredible. What is it about playing here? I mean, I think just, first of all, just the fans, uh, you know, uh, we're one of the few, I would say, lucky teams that were able to have fans, uh, you know, uh, the earliest this year. And, uh, you know, even if it's not uh, full, you know, full crowd, uh, just feeling a little presence, you know, uh, uh, some good energy behind us. I really think, you know, it, it helps. And, uh, and obviously, you know, just being at home, uh, you know, being a, uh, being able to have access to a facility and, and all that and, and just being at home is a is a big advantage for us. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Two plays I wanted to ask you about, Rudy. First, did you block the Dame three kind of at the end of the game? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, second, there was that play where you rebounded over Naz Little and then got the put back. And it seems like you've had a lot of success against kind of smaller lineups recently. And I'm just kind of curious how you view your role when you are playing against kind of a, a smaller lineup in terms of rebounding and putbacks and, and that. We got to punish them. We got to punish them. You know, teams are in the past, you know, they, they play small against us and, you know, we got to punish them. We got to put the emphasis on, you know, uh, pounding the ball inside when teams play small and attacking the rim and teams should not be able to play small against us. Um, I think we do a great job guarding against small, but uh, especially if, when we have the ball, we got to punish them. And, you know, I think we did, except the first two minutes they did it, I think we did a great job tonight. That's it. Thank you, Rudy. All right, there you go. That's Rudy Gobert, who had a monster game tonight, 18 points, 21 rebounds. But that attitude there answering that last question, I love hearing that from Rudy because he's totally right. If a team thinks that they can go small on the Utah Jazz and on Rudy Gobert, uh, they they need to pay for it. And I thought they 100% did that to the Blazers tonight. Now, the Blazers didn't have a whole lot of other options because Nurkic is on a, a minutes restriction and, and Cantor was getting torched. So they kind of had to go that way. But he's right. When they go small and they they try to put the biggest player out there at 6'7", then the Jazz need to to make hay while the sun shines there. He's he's totally right. And, and Rudy being more aggressive is is going to help that and he has notched up the aggressiveness big time i'd say really this year in general but certainly since the all-star break he is it, he's motivated i think this team is overly motivated right now because when they lost to phoenix you you allowed that one and a half i think they're one and a half games ahead of phoenix after that loss to phoenix right Right, but Phoenix lost tonight, so they're back up to uh, two, and two and a half. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. so it was they they closed that gap a little bit, and I've got to imagine those last two losses. Every one of those guys had to had to look at each other in the locker room and say, "We're not doing this again. We we've got to we got to get off the streak." There has not been a three game losing streak yet this season. The Jazz have not lost three games in a row. That says a lot about them, and that gives you hope that in the postseason, no matter who they're facing. If they let's say they get a win and then they go on a two-game losing streak, they can shake things loose and figure it out as a team. It gives me hope that they're that they're going to be able to put a stop to to certain lineups and as Rudy was talking about, they're going small and figure things out and get that much needed win and not give up that third loss in a row.
All right, Hans, let's get to your three-point takeover, sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union, helping members achieve their financial dreams for more than 80 years. Uh, tonight uh, was not about the three ball for the Utah Jazz. They uh, struggled again shooting the three, 12 of 42, 28.6% from three. They were led by, let's see here, Boyan Bogdanovich was two of five. George Niang was two of five coming in off the bench. Uh, let's see here. Donovan Mitchell, one of eight. Boyan Bogdanovich, two for five. Royce O'Neal, 0 for two. Your son, Ilyasova, one for one. Uh, Elijah Hughes, one for one. Matt Thomas, 0 for one. Mie Oni, one for three. So tonight, not a great three-point shooting night, but uh, we'll talk about Joe uh, George Niang here for a second. Uh, you're, you guys share a passion for Larry H. Miller, used car <laughs> He came in and played hard. I, I thought he... Uh, <laughs> I thought he played some tough D on Carmelo Anthony, and his threes yeah. were timely. Man, I love George Niang. <laughs> I love that guy. And you're right. We do uh, have a shared passion for Larry H. Miller's car supermarket. We shot a couple commercials together, and I'm going to tell you, nobody makes me laugh more than George Niang. He is that perfect teammate, and he's a big body. He'll come in, and he'll give you effort, and there was a very clutch moment. Might have been the back end of the third where that ball rotated out to George, a wide-open George Niang on the wing, and he needed to hit that shot. It needed to fall. He was so wide open, and it fell, and it was so nice to see that go down for George. And... As you mentioned, George ended up two of five from three, three of six from the field, but had a plus 20. Yeah, big number. Big number for George Niang on the court tonight. I'll tell you what George uh, George has really done is um, is really shored up his defense so you can leave him on the floor longer. And and, and they did a, that 18 really points impressive. tonight. Yep. Or sorry, 18 minutes tonight. Uh, should we get? Let's get to our stat nuggets, uh, uh, Hans. I don't know if you're familiar with this uh, feature we've thrown into the show here. Our friend Tyson Ewing, he does uh, stats for the television broadcast for AT&T Sportsnet, and he throws us a few nuggets after the game to relay to our listeners. You can follow him on Twitter at ty ewing two. That's at t y e w i n g two. You follow Tyson? I do. He's a great follower. Uh, Tyson, I've been a good friend of Tyson. Uh, Tyson's for quite a few years now. That's a good dude. Uh, all right, you ready to go? Mm-hmm. Jazz are now nine and one on the second night of back to backs. It's pretty impressive. They're very impressive. Uh, they scored on eighteen of their twenty-four third quarter possessions. They stopped Portland on eighteen of their twenty-five possessions. That's an incredible stat. Yeah, and that's how you outscore a team forty to nineteen in a quarter. They only scored on seven possessions, huh? Uh, yeah, Portland did. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, to, to get stops and score a clip like that, I mean, that's how you turn a, a three-point de- deficit into game over by the end of the third quarter. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, at the end, uh, excuse me, after the Jazz gave up 61 rebounds to Phoenix last night, the most rebounds allowed since a quadruple overtime uh, game in 2012 and had their largest rebounding deficit, minus 16. They allowed Portland just 41 rebounds and a margin of plus 17, the largest margin over the last 24 <laughs> games. Complete flip. I saw that. That number really jumped out to me right when we kicked off this post game. That was one of the big ones that slapped you in the face. It's, it is a, a huge disparity. Uh, let's see here. Donovan Mitchell has scored 78 points over his last two games. 78 points is the most a Jazz player has scored in two games since Carl Malone in April of 1998. Donovan Mitchell continues to impress. He, he, so the other reason I was talking about getting fans into this arena, it's a different, it's a completely different experience watching Donovan live, like watching him move up and down the court with his athleticism, getting to the rim with his athleticism, he is a, a unique specimen, and I can't wait for more Jazz fans to be able to flood in here to see him. This was Rudy Gobert's ninth time going for 18 points and 20 rebounds. It's the fourth time he's done it this season. Uh, this was the largest margin of victory when the team has shot worse than 30% from three since March 6th of 2019. 
And our last one tonight, the Jazz trailed the Blazers 62-56 to with 10 minutes and 30 seconds left to go in the third quarter. At the end of the third, they led 93-75. to They outscored the Blazers by 24 points in the final 10 minutes and 30 seconds of the third quarter. How are things going to go tomorrow with you and Gordon? No, are I'm the gonna things going to be okay or oh, what's going he's, on? He's going to hate the show tomorrow. <laughs> Just, just going to hate it tomorrow. I can't help it, man. I, bring, I know I've brought it up a few times tonight. but So you're, so what you're telling me is if the Jazz go 12 of 42 for 28%, they're going to lose, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not tonight, Hans. In fact, they're going to win big tonight. Uh, did you say that's the lowest percentage on three since two, uh, with the win and since 2019? 2019. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's a crazy number. Yeah. <laughs> That is a crazy number. All right. Want to remind you about our friends at Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer and the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Your final Jazz beats Blazers 122 to 103. Coming up next, we'll give some final thoughts on this one before we turn the page to Sacramento. That's straight ahead here on your Jazz Game Night postgame show on the Jazz Radio Network. Six eighty-three. Tight Ingles trying to drive down the basket. Snakes around the other side. It's on the far right side with Nurkic attached to him. Crosses over on Nurkic. Ball fakes. Can't get a shooting window. Back up top to Donovan. Donovan working on Powell. Five on the clock. Donovan crosses over. Step back. Long two. Tough looks. Perfect. You've got to be kidding. That is just an unnatural, unbelievable shot by Donovan Mitchell. Oh, there's your play of the game, courtesy of the great David Locke. Brought to you by Larry H. Miller Dealerships for sales, service, and selection. LHMauto.com, driven by you. It's your Jazz Game Night postgame show here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz beat the Blazers 122-103. to 103. Jake Scott Hansolson with you. Postgame brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. Quick review of the stats if you're just joining us. Donovan Mitchell with 37 tonight on 14 of 25 shooting. Five boards, four assists, and a steal for Donovan. Uh, Rudy Gobert, 18 points, 21 rebounds. He had two assists and a block. Uh, Joe Ingles had 13 points, six assists, and five boards coming in off the bench, playing extended minutes with the absence of Jordan Clarkson. As far as the Blazers, uh, Damian Lillard, 23 points tonight on eight of 21 shooting, six assists and five boards. Not your typical Damian Lillard night. C.J. McCollum, 19 points on eight of 21 shooting. You're not really your typical night from him either. Uh, Powell had 13 points, and I was I was curious to see how much better Powell made the Blazers tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hanson, I don't mean to <clears throat> sound mean, but I hardly noticed him, to be honest. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of moments that really caught your eye, eye with him. Felt like the Jazz kept him under their thumb pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. I was wondering how big of a difference uh, he would make, and at least tonight uh, wasn't necessarily his night. And then Covington uh, only had eight points, and as Locke talked about him a bunch of times during the broadcast, he's been one of the hottest shooters in the league, and he came in and didn't have a real big impact. Uh, the The Blazers were quiet tonight. The Jazz must have had a good defensive game plan, but this probably wasn't their typical shooting night either. It did feel like they were a bit off. I want to give a quick shout-out to one jazz player. That's Erisan Ilyasova. He was 100% from three. How about that? Erisan Ilyasova steps out, and uh, his first shot he takes, it's from deep, and he knocks it down straight away. I I still look at him as a pretty nice insurance policy. If If there was a stretch that... You didn't have favors if there, heaven forbid, if there was a stretch that you didn't have uh, a Rudy Gobert and you had to put in a, a different type of rotation. At least you've got the outside presence of Ilyasova. I, I do feel more comfortable with him on that bench. All right, Hans, let's get a few thoughts from you or final thoughts. What are you taking from this one as we uh, put this game to bed? I'm impressed, man. You come back from Phoenix after going into overtime a little bit banged up. You got into your bed about 4 o'clock in the morning, some of them with ice, some of them with muscle relaxers, some of them probably with sleeping agents trying to help them get uh, relieve their mind of the thoughts of that devastating loss to Phoenix. They wake up, they don't get any shoot around, 
they're they're obviously they're going to be fatigued, exhausted, but this Jazz team shows up, tips off at eight o'clock p.m. here at Vivint Smart Home Arena, and they get a big time win. They do it by physicality off the boards, reasserting themselves and having a great advantage off the boards, and they did it, Jake, in spite of shooting twenty eight point six percent from three, which I'm sure we'll hear about quite a bit mm-hmm. tomorrow. We will. <laughs> All right. Wait. We want to say big thanks to the crew. Thanks to David Locke and Ron Boone doing a great job uh, calling the uh, action as usual. Thanks to John Kiefer, our broadcast assistant tonight. Thanks to Alex Lundberg, executive producer of Jazz Game Night. Appreciate you, Lundy. Uh, uh, thanks to Mark Miller Subaru, title sponsor of the post game. Um, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Hans, I want to thank you for filling in, buddy. I really appreciate it. I know it's a late one. You got to drive all the way back to Eagle Mountain, but uh, you're you're always uh, you're always there when we need you, and we appreciate it. Anytime, you know that, man. I love being here, and and Coach Lacombe. I, I know I've got about 15 tweets here. People saying, "Can you please shut your mouth and get Coach Lacombe back on?" <laughs> hey, Coach Lacombe will be back soon. Thanks for bearing with me tonight. All right, Hans, you be well, my friend. Appreciate you. 122 to 103 is your final. The Jazz beat the Blazers. Up next, they'll take on the Kings here at Vivint Arena on Saturday night. That game will tip off at 7. Pre-game will begin at 6, and you'll hear it all right here on the Jazz Radio Network.